Welcome to the Cannabis 101 podcast, your guide through the legalization and consumption of cannabis in Canada and beyond. Here's your host, Dean Millard. Thank you so much for being a part of the program once again. This is episode three of the Cannabis 101 podcast. I'm Dean Millard, and it is a pleasure to take you on this journey uh, through legalization of cannabis in Canada and beyond. Remember, it's not just about getting high, it's about getting healthy. And we want to educate and entertain you, and that's what we hope to do on this program. The first two episodes were a lot of fun, and today's will be no different. David McGovern is going to drop by. We're going to talk to him. He's from the Investing News Network, and we're going to chat about the Lift & Co. Cannabis Expo that just took place in Toronto. It was dubbed Cannabis or Canadian Cannabis Week, so we'll find the ins and outs about that. There were some great discussions from everything I've heard and uh, some interesting exhibits and certainly something that I'll look at attending, hopefully, down the road. David Wiley is going to join us. He is from OkanaganZ.com. It is a uh, cool website, uh, internet newspaper, if you will, that covers all things cannabis. And he's going to join us every week for this week in cannabis news. So this will be the first edition. we got some pretty cool stories to bring your way. And Chris Ionson, of course, is our educator here on what's uh, that strain on the Cannabis 101 podcast. We are going to get into uh, Rio Bravo and Casablanca tonight, two classic movies and two very good strains of Cannabis. A new segment, though, that we will start with every week, our cannabis question. And today's cannabis question is, do your kids know you consume? This got very interesting for me over the uh, past month or so because I have, um, uh, in the same group of friends, two very different dynamics. Some of my friends, they consume in front of their kids, and I've been with them when they've done it as they're explaining them about it. You know, this is something that when you become of age, you could make your own choice. This is a healthy version. It's no different than this glass of wine I have in my hand, so on and so on. I also have friends on the other side of the spectrum that use cannabis and have spoken to their kids about cannabis and you know, what it is and things like that, but have not spoken to them about them using it themselves, which is their own prerogative. I'm not going to tell anybody how to parent. I just uh, was curious. Do your kids know that you consume? Uh, I don't think there's any reason to hide it. I don't have kids though, so I don't know what it would feel like as a parent. Like I said, on one hand, uh, friends that uh, consume right in front and explain to their kids what it is and others that, uh, you know, do it later on when the kids aren't around. Um, But I, I just look at if you're going to drink a beer or a glass of wine or whatever, any kind of alcoholic drink in front of your kids, you should not be any kind of shame about uh, using cannabis in whatever form. Uh, the, we really have to get rid of this uh, stigma. And, and in fact, I think it's a great reason to be open and explain that it's a much healthier option for some things and a great option in general in terms of the entire plant. And, uh, you know, like, uh, you know, I wouldn't do the uh, kids in the hall skit uh, if uh, 10 bucks is 10 bucks and, you know, get drunk as a rite of passage in front of your kid. I wouldn't get blazed in front of them so you can't see. But talking and it it maybe is something that kind of opens a a little dialogue between parents and kids. So 
That's my uh, cannabis question. Do your kids know you consume? Uh, feel free to uh, drop us a line at uh, any point here at the uh, Cannabis 101 podcast. Uh, you can get us on Twitter, and uh, that is the Cannabis 101. On Instagram, it's at the Cannabis 101 podcast. We do have a Cannabis 101 podcast Facebook page. You can get a hold of us through email if you're interested in anything about the show at cannabis101podcast at gmail.com. My personal Twitter handle is at Duck Millard, and you can visit our websites for past episodes, uh, contests, pictures, all that stuff at cannabis101podcast.ca. This is the Cannabis 101 Podcast, your guide through the legalization and consumption of cannabis in Canada and beyond. All right, time now for What Goes Well With, and this is where we discuss anything that pairs well with uh, cannabis. Oh, by the way, I I wanted to get to uh, the uh, poll question that I put on uh, Twitter at the Cannabis 101, do your kids know you consume cannabis? Why or why not? 57% say no, 43% say yes. So that's actually better than I was expecting. I thought it might have been like a 65, 70% no, but that's a little bit better than I expected. Uh, Justin Cardinal says, I smoke it openly in front of my girl. She's only two. As she gets older, she will become educated on it, which I think is an awesome way to go. Uh, you know, you can consume in front of them um, and then uh, tell them about it as you're doing it. Perfect. So this is what goes well with anything that pairs well with cannabis. We've talked about, uh, I love listening to to Beck. Uh, and this is where I really want to get your thoughts. So as you're listening to this, maybe you're consuming cannabis. Maybe you like to listen to the Cannabis 101 podcast while you consume cannabis. That would be pretty cool. I like to go camping. I love uh, cannabis and camping. Um, obviously not while I'm driving to the campsite, but once I get there and you get everything set up, sitting around a campfire, camping, um, barbecuing, whatever you're doing, I love whether it's uh, smoking a joint, um, you know, obviously you're not, hopefully not bothering somebody around you, although cannabis, uh, smoke is still better than uh, cigarette smoke smell in my opinion, just my opinion, but, um, you know, or you're, uh, going for a walk and you have an edible or something like that. I just love being in nature. And I've talked about that before with hiking and stuff, but camping and cannabis are great. Uh, you pass a joint around the fire later on at night or what things like that. So anyway, uh, that's what goes well with, uh, for me, it's uh, camping that goes well with cannabis. Would love to hear your thoughts on what you pair well with cannabis. So uh, drop us a line on Twitter, the cannabis one oh one, or, uh, join us on Instagram, the cannabis one oh one podcast. As mentioned, we have a Facebook page and you can email us cannabis101podcast at gmail.com. This is the Cannabis 101 Podcast, your guide through the legalization and consumption of cannabis in Canada and beyond. 
The really interesting thing about uh, legalization of cannabis is that it's uh, created a number of jobs, even in the media, as we are joined by Brian McGovern from Investing News Network. Uh, we're going to talk about Lift & Co., the big cannabis uh, expo that went on in Toronto. But uh, first of all, Brian, welcome to the show. Um, as, as I mentioned, uh, the, the cannabis beat is now uh, for reporters, and this industry has created even more jobs. How long have you been on the uh, cannabis beat, and uh, what do you like about uh, covering this business? Hi, Dean. Thank you so much for having me. Um, you're, you're right. It's, it's a fascinating market that has created a lot of different types of jobs. Uh, I started at INN with, uh, in February of 2017, and shortly afterwards, I was moved uh, to the cannabis space to, to start covering it as well. Since then, the focus of our website is on the public markets and, and business operations. So, since then, I've been I've been just trying to absorb as much information as possible and learn as much as possible. But this this market has shown me that it's uh, it's really crazy to keep up with, and obviously, it, it it's it's one of those things that the rush is so intense that it, it it's hard to to keep up with everything that's going on in the space. Uh, so that's that's something that uh, you know it's, it's really it's really cool as a reporter to be in a position where you can follow an industry that you never really expected that 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 would pop off the way that it has and yeah that's something that I believe is really special. The one thing I find interesting is. Uh, you know, you're learning about the business as a reporter, and so are the people in the business because it's so brand new. Uh, you know, I've covered uh, sports my whole life, and uh, there were uh, coaches and reporters, uh, you know, many, many years before me, but you are in such a brand new industry. Um, what's it like to to cover it compared to maybe some of the other things that you've been involved with that, uh, you know, have a little bit more experience? Yeah, it's very, it's very interesting. Very interesting. Uh, I mean, you already kind of have to jump a couple of hoops in terms of first business reporting, which is its own type of uh, animal, and cannabis, which you know involves a lot of different types of people. It's not just your straight business type uh, folks that you talk to. Obviously, we 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 enjoy talking with a lot of people like analysts and portfolio managers and executives from publicly traded companies as well. But uh, this market offers you the chance to reach out to some of the consumers themselves, some of the people that are very interested in this in this market. So it's 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 a it's a challenge. It's it's something that 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 pushes you forward, and it's something that makes you think of stories in a totally different way. You know, it, the effect isn't just to the shareholders of the companies that that we cover, but it also affects uh, you know a, a very large market, a very big opportunity for consumers and something that that you know with the medical benefits the potential medical benefits once more research is done on on, on cannabis and its derivatives something that could potentially really alter uh, the lifestyle of many people Brian McGovern from Investing News Network is joining us. Uh, he was at the Lift & Co. event uh, this past, or last week in uh, uh, Toronto, uh, Canada's largest uh, cannabis expo, they bill it. So let's dive into that a little bit, Brian. Uh, you attended a panel on U.S. expansion, which featured uh, Vivian Azair from, from Cowan, which is a pretty big company. What was that um, experience like to, uh, to listen in on that panel on U.S. expansion? Yeah, you know, it's it's very interesting The the Lyft Expo organizers do a very good job of bringing a lot of fascinating characters into these panels. So on the Thursday show, which is the business show, uh, they hosted a panel 
that was specifically, you know, adding some some members of the industry. Vivian Azer was there, and she talked a little bit about some of the, her own projections into the space. You know, her day-to-day is basically analyzing these companies, the companies that the, the Cohen covers, and the whole industry. You know, they, they publish reports. They, they look at top to bottom the, the companies that they're covering, what they do, how they're performing, their stocks, everything like that. So Vivian was, is, has become one of the leading voices in terms of the analyst sector for, for cannabis. She also covers beverages, and this has become sort of a joint relationship as well, since a lot of established beverage companies have formed partnerships with uh, cannabis firms in the pursuit for the beverages that we may see in the future. Uh, during this panel, uh, one of the most interesting things that, that Vivian talked about was that she offered a prediction, you know, near the end of the panel, they asked the panelists to offer your craziest or biggest or, you know, wildest prediction that you can. And, you know, Vivian offered that. She she actually doesn't see edibles being sold this year in Canada, as, as you may know, and as your listeners uh, probably were very well aware of, Canada is supposed to deliver on policy for edibles and other infused cannabis products before October 17. Excuse me, on or before October 17, similar to last year's legalization. Uh, there's a growing concern in the market that even though the regulations could be sent or could be put in place by then, sales, actual sales, physical store retail or online sales will not start until actually 2020. So Azer said that, and actually, you know, uh, Peter Aceto, the CEO of Cantrus Holdings, uh, agreed with her. Uh, later on, I followed up with him, and he told me as well that he, his prediction, his projection more, more likely is Q1 of 2020. Well, that's something that I've heard from uh, a lot of people that are, uh, you know, in in the cannabis business as far as some of the stores uh, that they're not expecting it to get it until uh, 2020, and there's got to be a lot of things sorted out, and and that's going to be that's going to be a really interesting season too, as a lot of people call it. Um, when you get edibles, you get drinks, as you mentioned, and concentrates, which could be a really really big uh, chunk of the uh, the cannabis market as well. And, and and it's interesting you mentioned you had the conversation with uh, Cantrust and uh, Nick Kuzik as well. You chatted to from from High Tide. Uh, what what was the um, I guess the the outlook must be pretty good, though, for for people in the business right now. They must be looking forward uh, eagerly to the next phase. Everyone is really excited. Everyone is really excited for edibles. This is something that is seen as a a big catalyst for the Canadian cannabis marketplace, obviously something that is eagerly awaited by pretty much everybody in the space. You know, the producers, they want to push out these products. The retailers, they want to sell these products. And, you know, investors and analysts want to know how valuable these products will be. This, this is supposed to offer a lot more diversity in terms of the uh, delivery methods for cannabis. Uh, you mentioned the drinks. The, there's a race right now for perfecting the technology that will be required to set up a, a very delicious drink that is cannabis-infused that maybe has a very specific onset-offset time. You know, many companies are investing a lot of money to to make sure that these drinks are up to snuff and that people potentially even try to change their ways from alcohol to these drinks. But at the same time, you know, these beverages may also tap into the health and wellness space. You know, Uh, 
they don't necessarily have to be purely recreational for, for as a replacement for alcohol. You know, the, the, this this race is really intense, and this is something that that is seen as a desperate need for the Canadian markets because, and this is something that through my reporting and through a lot of people talking with a lot of people, something that you can see evidently is this growing tension between the Canadian and the U.S. markets. In a sense, not exactly competing yet, because as, as you may know, the U.S. still doesn't have a federal policy that, that it legalizes marijuana, but at the state level, a lot of states have already moved forward programs and, you know, very vibrant markets. But there, in the investment markets, investors were really, really interested in cannabis place, any type of cannabis place. And this led to a lot of companies being reaching the public markets, and some of them still don't really offer a, a valuable position. So last year, late last year, the trend shifted from just anything with cannabis name, with a cannabis name, excuse me, to U.S. companies. So these companies are in the U.S. They operate multiple assets, and that's that's where their name comes from: multi, uh, MSOs, uh, multi-state operators. So these companies have reached the public markets in Canada, and they have become really the, they have gained a lot of attention that way. Investors are looking for revenue. They're looking for growth. They're looking for something bigger. And the Canadian market just really has a very specific tap, like a very specific ceiling, if you will. Investors, you know, they want to make sure that wherever they go, there will be a long path ahead. And with the Canadian companies, there's still a lot of opportunity. There's something that is something that everyone, every time I talk with portfolio managers or other analysts, they, they very quickly say it's, it's not over for Canadian companies and Canadian investment, but it's something that the trend keeps moving that way. The investment is just going to the U.S. And it's fascinating to see. It's fascinating to see. A lot of the advocates for the Canadian market keep remarking that Canada is still seen as a leader, you know, and that's something that's very real. Canada's path forward with the legalization is, has opened the has made Canada seem as a as a big leader in the world stage. A lot of countries are following up with Canadian thought leaders, policy leaders, regulation leaders to say, how do we go about doing this? Uh, where should we put our rules, or how how exactly should we monitor these things? That is that is something that probably will not change for a while, but we will see. A lot of uh, ex, ex, uh, experienced people have become leaders in terms of communicating with different governments and different companies across the globe. This panel really reinforced, uh, like I mentioned, some of, this, some of these growing tensions that are starting to, that you're starting to see in, in this space. But it also showed how both markets will probably thrive on their own. Yeah, the, a lot of the world's eyes are turned, as you mentioned, towards Canada right now with uh, going, uh, you know, federally legal uh, when it comes to cannabis. We're speaking with Brian McGovern from Investing News Network. Uh, we are discussing the Lift & Co. Cannabis Expo that uh, went on in Toronto. And there were some discussions um, during this uh, expo about the Canadian retail experience. What did, what did you learn um, maybe that you didn't know or, or some, some new details about the Canadian retail experience? Is it going as well as people had hoped it to be? Absolutely. It's very interesting. You know, we've seen a lot of uh, botch releases for the retail markets. At the same time, we've all seen very successful ones. You could say that Alberta has uh, definitely paved the way, opened a lot of stores, 
And on the other hand, Ontario had a bit of a, an interesting launch for its stores, as I would say. Um, I think, uh, same as our conversation before with edibles, a lot of these stores are, are very much looking forward to the opening of, of, of edibles, of selling edibles. But these stores are starting to create relationships. And that is something that was very evident during a panel at, at the main show. Uh, Ashley Chu with EY, a research firm, uh, published, uh, sorry, excuse me, shared some new information on a, on a report that's coming out soon and stressed that, you know, butt tenders are going to have, a, are going to play a very interesting role in, in the market moving forward. You know, a, a lot of consumers still don't really know what they want, still aren't sure exactly of where, where to go, what to do, or, or how to interact with a cannabis store. It's something that is very new and foreign for a lot of people. So these butt tenders are playing a very critical role because they will help a lot of these consumers to figure out what exactly do they want, what what kind of products are they looking for. And, you know, uh, she mentioned that uh, I believe, uh, if I'm not getting this wrong, uh, four out of 10 butt tenders told them for this report that uh, they would, you know, suggest the product more if they had heard from the producer themselves, right? If they had heard, say, hey, here's here's what the product is, here's what we're thinking, you know, here's the story of it, or here's what the brand is supposed to represent, you know. So it's 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 very fascinating to see what that would look like as obviously a lot of these legal stores are seeking to replace your previous illegal stores and, and things that have changed so far that way. But at the same time, at the end of the day, people want to go into a store and get some help if they don't if they don't know what they want and walk out with some good product. Well, and that's the wonderful thing about uh, every store that that I've been in since legalization is that uh, it's not uh, a dark basement where a guy's throwing you a bag of weed in a, in a Ziploc bag. It's bright. It's it educational. It, it, you know, there there are limitations to what they can answer as far as uh, medical versus recreational use, but you do get a lot of information from everybody uh, that I've dealt with in a store. So I think that's uh, one good thing. And, and yeah, you're right. Bud tenders, educators, they're going to play a crucial role in that new cannabis customer or a boomerang customer that maybe tried it in high school and wants to wants to get back into it. So I think that's a really good point. So so we've chatted about uh, the Canadian market and, and the U.S. expansion, but there was also uh, panels about the European market. And, and what did that have to add to what's going on in Canada and, and give uh, people uh, uh, pause for thought? Yeah, well, similar to the way that the Canadian and U.S. markets interact with one another. Canada is seen as a leader, and Canada has offered a lot of players in the European market. A variety of the leading Canadian LPs, licensed producers, have set up a multitude of operations across Europe and across legal European markets. And this doesn't just apply to the companies themselves, right, but to the people themselves. Uh, one of the panelists at the European panel, uh, Deepak Anand, who has become quite frankly, one, if not the leading, the, the most leading voice in, in, the, in the cannabis space, uh, CEO now of Materia Ventures, he, he offered a lot of commentary about how the European market will play a significant role moving forward. In his view, he expects this market to be the biggest one in the world. And the, the main thing is that the European market is still seen as a very medical market. It's it's something that is a bit different from here, where you can clearly see the distinction of recreational and medical. 
in Canada, in the U.S., a lot of recreational operations as well. Um, and in Europe, the way that the, the panelists talked about it was that the focus is still a lot of the times in the medical space. And that is something that, that uh, that's the way that, that it's breaking down so far with the consumers. You know, uh, a lot of these companies in the Canadian space are looking for expansion plans, are looking for a way to tell investors, hey, we still got a lot of, of things look, to look forward to. And the European market is, is one place where I'm sure many, many Canadian players will end up moving operations or, you know, funding truly significant operations. As, as you may know, uh, Tilray, a company that uh, is a Canadian producer, has a listing on the NASDAQ. They have a massive operation out of Portugal. And they've talked in the past about how they want that facility in Portugal to become their hub. This is this is something that I'm 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 guessing that we will be hearing more and more from other corporations as well. Say pick a spot and say here's where we want to be, here's where we want our hub to be based in Europe, and this is where we're going to send all our shipments or this is where we're going to send all our product across. Because at the end of the day, there are a lot of these Canadian leaders are trying to capture all these markets as fast as they can. We are speaking with Brian McGovern from Investing News Network. You can uh, give him a follow uh, on Twitter at MCGBrian, and it's Brian with a Y, and you can also follow at INN underscore Cannabis. And we're recapping Lyft & Co., which was the Cannabis Expo recently held in Toronto. So, Brian, when you when you look at the overall uh, event uh, that Lyft & Co. puts on, and, and they, they do put on uh, other events in different cities. What were your overall impressions uh, for the event, maybe compared to some, some other things that you've covered in the, in the business world? Yeah, it's very, it's very interesting. This Lyft show has, uh, has become quite a consumer show. You know, I, I think uh, I've seen a couple other shows that are very business-focused, that are very business-centric, and a lot of investment shows that are very specific to uh, investors meeting the companies, uh, meeting the analysts, things like that, and those can be, you know, cold sometimes. But this this show has become quite a warm experience for for everybody in the cannabis space, from somebody who's just buying some products every every other day or you know every once a week, to some of the top executives of, of, of some of the biggest companies in the space. It, it's a massive show. It, it's a massive show, and it offers a a variety of, of, of different things for everybody, pretty much. There are light shows, there are big booths, there are recreational brands, there are free swag. There's free swag, obviously. Um, yeah, it's, it's, it's a very entertaining show. It offers a lot of education for tons of consumers. And from our point of view, from, from the business side of things, it always offers a chance to meet somebody new or talk with somebody who you didn't really know before that that is playing a very interesting role in the cannabis space. It's, it's fascinating to see. I believe this show has certainly become a, a leading one for the Canadian, for, for Canada, excuse me. And it offers a big chance for consumers to just see the people who are behind the products that they want. It's, it's 
very interesting and it's quite a fun one to cover actually yeah i'm looking forward to getting to one of those events at uh, some point uh, we'll we'll wrap up with this and uh, just you, you kind of your opinion do you think cannabis is the golden goose when it comes to uh, business is the sky the limit right now obviously it will uh, you know plateau at some point but with edibles and concentrates and and drinks coming forward it just seems like uh, right now the sky is the limit for this business uh, that's very interesting that, that you put it that way. You know, I, I want to be careful at, at the end of the day. You know, I, I still, I still think that it's easy for 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 people to get ahead of themselves, mm-hmm. and it's easy for for a lot of investors. From our point of view, we talk with them all the time to to think one thing and to stick with that, and to think that that's going to be the way that it is going to be. As this market grows and it matures and more established players come in, it almost feels like more realistic uh, markets or more realistic goals will be set. So yes, there is still a lot of room for growth and a lot of potential, and we haven't even really seen how far this market will go. We know that there's going to be a ton of variety, a ton of diversity in space, medical, recreational, retail, all these other things, research, data, a lot of a lot of markets are going to get disrupted by by cannabis and by its legalization across the world. But it's something that investors and common folk need to remember that it takes time. It's going to take a long time. So yes, there's still a lot of gains and there's still a lot of potential right now, specifically if you're a long-term investor or if you're a, sh- a short-term daily trader type, type person. But it's something that it's going to be a while for things to settle. But, you know, you never know. Things, things change really quickly in, in, the, in this market. It's something that it's been amazing to see. But uh, it, it's something that you have to follow for sure. Something to stay on top of and make sure that as an investor, you're aware of, of what's going on that way. And from a regular folk type, type person, I would say that it's, it's something that you may not even expect to see how far it will go. It's something that uh, you may not even notice. And one day you're... you're suddenly buying a lot of CBD products or you're suddenly walking into a, into a, into a cannabis dispensary. It's, it's, it's fascinating. It's very, very interesting. It is for sure. Brian, thanks so much for your time and the uh, conversation today. No, thank you. Thank you for the time. What's happening? We'll tell you right now on This Week in Cannabis News. Welcome to This Week in Cannabis News, and joining us for the first time and uh, every week is uh, David Wiley from OkanaganZ.com, the Oz, as it's commonly known. David, thanks so much for joining us here on the Cannabis 101 podcast. Before we get into some stories we're going to chat about this week in Cannabis News, let's chat a little bit about uh, OkanaganZ.com and where this uh, become and and what it is. Thanks for having me on, Dean. I appreciate it. I launched the OZ, OkanaganZ.com, on October 17th, 2018, which, of course, is the same day as legalization. I'm a longtime journalist in the Okanagan Valley, reporting on all kinds of things. I mean, courts, crime, wildfire, wine, everything. And this is such a neat opportunity to report on an industry that's being built from the ground up legally. I mean, we've had black market cannabis with us uh, for thousands of years, really. And now we're in this brand new place where we're watching uh, a gray market become a green market, really. And we have 
companies all across the country that are jockeying for position. For me, I wanted to focus a lot in on the Okanagan Valley. That said, I, I do take a Canadian and global perspective. I like to focus in on companies that are right here in the Okanagan. We're known for our wine industry, and that is becoming a cannabis industry. You know, One of our big entrepreneurs here uh, who owned Saks Underwear and sold it off actually predicted that cannabis would become bigger than wine in the Okanagan, and that's coming from somebody who owns a winery. So there's, there's a lot happening, and it's a really interesting topic, that's for sure. That's amazing. Uh, and, you know, uh, last week I was talking about uh, the Merlot versus marijuana battle in Napa Valley and, and wineries yeah. there do not want cannabis to come in because wine is the major uh, cash crop, if you will. So let's jump into one of the stories that was in your email. And by the way, people can sign up at uh, OkanaganZ.com and get uh, uh, how many, three times a week you put it out? Three times a week, Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. All right, so uh, get you set for your weekend on Friday, Monday, and Wednesday as well. And what are the stories that you had in this uh, in today's uh, email uh, newsletter is that uh, pure cannabis cigarettes by THC Biomed are going to be soon available. Tell me a little bit about the story. Mm-hmm. This uh, THC Biomed has been a bit of a long-time player here in the Okanagan, and it's not often that a Kelowna company puts out something that's a first in Canada. THC THC Biomeds announced that it's going to be putting out pure cannabis cigarettes. And it's a little bit of back to the future, really. They're talking about their their automated cigarette rolling machine as being an advance in the cannabis industry. It really changed the face of the tobacco industry by automating uh, the production of cigarettes and making it a, a little bit more affordable uh, for the companies who are producing those. And they're going to be selling them in packs of 3 and 20. And the machine that they have in their in their plant can actually roll 5,000 of these in a minute, which is definitely a little bit faster than I can roll my <laughs> own joints at home. And their CEO, John Miller, he says that uh, his prediction, which quite honestly I don't agree with, is that the old way of rolling joints is going to be something of the past. I can't see that happening. People have an affection for rolling joints. Every time I put out a story that vaping is becoming chic or going to overtake rolling joints and smoking joints, people always have a bit of a conniption over that because really that's there. there's this personal romance that comes with uh, the art of rolling. So yeah, I can absolutely see these things taking off. They're convenient. Uh, the CBD product is uh, something that the teach THC Biomed is predicting is going to help smokers break that nicotine habit. I don't know how that's going to jive with driving laws, uh, but all these things, they, you know, they de- develop on the fly, really. Yeah, this whole industry is developing on the fly. And that's interesting. I, I agree with you. I think there is, for some people, a tradition about rolling a joint. Uh, you know, friends of mine, they wait till we all get together and then they do it. And it's like uh, sometimes you have competitions. And so I agree with you. But this will be great for people uh, like myself who can't roll. And it's going to have a filter in it. Now, this is something that, you know, I've I started putting in my joints uh, years ago, but I was using like part of the rolling paper. You remember you would rip off part of the rolling paper and now then the head shop started coming out with perforated paper that you could put in there. Now you can buy cones with mm-hmm. the, the long uh, filters, uh, but this is going to have a filter in it, much like a cigarette. And we should point out there is no tobacco in these uh, THC uh, uh, biomed cigarettes. It is all uh, marijuana product, but they will have a filter. 
It will. I was looking at their website and uh, their statements, um, wondering what the reasoning was behind it. They say it's the best way to smoke or a better way to smoke, but they sure stayed far away from any health claims around that. Can't blame them. Yeah, exactly. Uh, there's not uh, people are very careful when it comes to unless you're a doctor, of course, uh, stating a specific health claims. All right, let's move to story number two, and this is about the Ontario Cannabis Store on the lookout for the next wave of cannabis product. Mm-hmm. We're we're going to see this happening across the country. We're heading into a monumental shift, really. There's a report recently that came out by uh, Deloitte. I'm not sure how to pronounce that. Deloitte, Deloitte, Tomato, Tomato. Mm-hmm. And this uh, consulting company is saying that the edibles market is going to reach $2.5 billion a year. And to hit that, uh, to hit that goal, it'll definitely be chipping away at the alcohol market. But as, as this is coming near and near to us, so fall is when Health Canada is expected to make edibles and concentrates legal. As we're getting closer to that, we're starting to see the cannabis stores across the country provincially uh, looking for suppliers of drinks, looking for suppliers of edibles. We're also starting to see companies like PAX, which makes a vaporizer, make deals with some of the bigger Canadian cannabis companies. Uh, Supreme Fire is a good example. Uh, Actually, PAX made a deal with four different Canadian cannabis companies to supply the pods that they use in their upcoming vaporizer with cannabis product. So we're, we're really approaching a, a whole new era when it comes to, to cannabis and cannabis products that are going to make the market a lot more available to people who may be averse to smoking or vaping it. It's interesting. Um, I don't think, and it was just predicted at the uh, Lift & Co. conference that we, we heard from our earlier guest in the podcast, that edibles... Uh, are they're not, I, don't, I don't see them being available till January, until until 2020, mm-hmm. uh, hopefully early January. I've heard that from a lot of, um, you know, inside business people in the cannabis industry that uh, I, I know the, the fall of 2019 keeps coming up, but, um, you know, people are saying we'll be lucky to see them by December, probably January, hopefully not any longer than that. But I, I agree it's going to change the game. It's I, I think, and I'm not sure how you feel, but I think it's going to bring a lot of people in that don't have any interest in smoking and think cannabis is only for smoking, and then they realize they can drink it or have a chocolate bar or uh, oils and things like that. I think it's going to be a game changer. Absolutely. It's going to be interesting to see what entrepreneurs do with it too. It's going to open up a whole new field of players in the cannabis industry. Yeah, and create a lot of uh, different jobs. So you can find uh, a couple, both of those stories at OkanaganZ.com. We are joined uh, by David Wiley, who is the founder of an OkanaganZ and .com, the, uh, the OZ. And you can, uh, I, I, at first I thought it was the ounce because the OZ ounce and I thought it was pronounced that way, but I love uh, the OZ uh, reference to uh, your website and you can sign up uh, to get an email out uh, three times a week for different stories. Here's something that I found this week I found interesting. Uh, the quote is, Canada blew it, and this is according to a top investment banker, Neil Self, founder and CEO of Infor Financial Group, has said that provincial regulations and severe restrictions on branding and marketing are just a few of the reasons why Canada is behind the eight ball. Even though they've legalized cannabis countrywide, it is not a consumer product in Canada like it is in some U.S. states. And this is... This is um, 
I don't think this is a new opinion, but it's a common opinion. I find that Canada is too restrictive right now. Now, I will say this, David, from what I've been told, in some U.S. states, they just let you do everything at once. And then they had to pull back. And I think Canada has taken the approach that it's like they're letting a little bit of cannabis out of a big balloon at a time. And so then they don't have to take something away because anybody that knows kids, if you if you give your kids something and then have to take it away, they're going to be a lot uh, more angry than if you never gave them to at all. So I think Canada is doing it a little bit at a time, uh, and that's why we're seeing those restrictions. Hopefully they will uh, lift at some point. Mm-hmm. You know, I had a little bit of a chuckle when I first read this story, and I I wondered how much of Canopy's stock Neil Self owns in putting out this opinion. And uh, when you read the story online, you're greeted by a Justin Trudeau, not as advertised ad, (laughs) paid political advertisement. So you can definitely see where the messaging itself is formulating. Uh, You know, I think Neil just needs to knock that hyperbole down a little bit. Yeah, Canopy is the the biggest company in Canada. It's uh, it is as Neil says, he believes it to be the only global player, and blames that in part on restrictions. Canopy's made some great moves. They've been able to grow fast, and uh, singling out Canopy as the the biggest company, it's not wrong. But at the same time, we're in the infancy of this industry, and he hasn't given enough credit to companies like Aurora or Afria. There's a lot of other smaller companies that, given the time to develop, are going to become powerhouses uh, in their own. When Neil talks about Canada having a patchwork of regulations and then uh, almost practically calling the U.S. a bastion of how to do legalization, I don't, I don't know if he's taking a look across the border, but the U.S. is a patchwork of regulations. They have no national framework to operate on. And uh, his his baby, Canopy Growth, is uh, actually in the midst of asking shareholders whether or not they want to, uh, whether or not they want to enter into agreement with Acreage in order to have access to the U.S. market. Well, they can't even have access to the U.S. market yet because there is no national framework. So they, due to their own, due to regulations around the stock market, they they can't actually uh, enter there yet. So, you know, I, I have a I have a tough time with a lot of what Neil says. There's there is one thing that he does say that I agree with, and that's the the current regulations and the restrictions do make it seem like when people are purchasing cannabis that they're buying something dirty and that they need to put it in a brown paper bag. You're right. And yeah, that stigma is it's disgusting and it's pervasive, and it's time to just uh, just put that in the bong and smoke it away. The restrictions on advertising, like you you don't you can't even tell where a cannabis store is, yet you can watch the Super Bowl and see 15 <laughs> no. Budweiser ads. Like let's get PSAs and commercials with doctors out there that are saying, "Listen, here are some of the benefits of cannabis in many forms, not just the THC form, but the CBD." Like let's get the message out there mm-hmm. if we're going to legalize it. Let's let's get the message out there that it isn't devil's weed anymore that you get in the uh, the back alley. So I I, I think there's a, I, I agree with a lot of uh, with some of rather what Neil said and, and that exact part, because we do have to get the stigma away from this and, and, and encourage people uh, to look into it and do their own research and ask their own 
uh, doctor. All right, finally, let's wrap up with this story. And uh, it's it's basically putting himself on the line. Andrew Grieve, CEO at Xenobis Global Inc., will not draw a salary for the time being. There must be personal and company goals hit for him to receive any compensation. And this is not new. We've seen other big names, uh, uh, Zuckerberg, among others, and the Apple CEO, <laughs> Steve Jobs. We've seen him uh, do this in the past as well. Uh, what do you think of this story? It, this is a nice story. Uh, it's a We've seen Zenibus around. They put out pretty quality product. And for Andrew to come out and forego a salary, it's a nice show of confidence. Really what it does is it shows the commitment to shareholders and to customers that uh, they're they're in it to reach their goals. And that's his main concern. Like you mentioned, we've seen this from other CEOs, Twitter, Facebook, Whole Foods, Yelp. Heck, even Donald Trump is foregoing a salary as president of the United States. So it's it's something that uh, people can afford to do. Great. I wish that I could forego a salary <laughs> in order to meet my own goals. Uh, and, you know, his this decision is his own. And it's one that he's made in order to ensure that his salary is based on his performance. And he's not planning on taking one until Xenobis reaches its profit goals. I wish that we saw more people, more people that are running companies, CEOs uh, do this. In fact, I'd actually really like to see politicians do this, that they would forego taking a salary until their, until their goals are met, especially those that are running the cannabis industry these days. No doubt. Xenobis is thinking big. Um, the, between uh, their production space in uh, Nova Scotia, New Brunswick, BC, uh, 3.5 million square feet of available production space. Um, they're, they're going really, really big, uh, distributing uh, to seven provinces, the Yukon Territory, plus they have deals with Shoppers Drug Mart and Pharmasave. And, and that's something we might see mm-hmm. more down in the future with, with different companies. I love that they're doing their true booch as well, a kombucha-based product. I brew my own at home and uh, just love kombucha. So any anytime you see a cannabis company getting into these cool new products that are going to be available, like we discussed earlier this fall, hopefully, hopefully not January or February or later, it's it's good to see. David Wiley is with OkanaganZ.com. The Oz, you can check it out, uh, sign up for their uh, three times a week newsletter, and he'll join us every week here on the Cannabis 101 podcast. David, thanks so much for the uh, maiden voyage. I look forward to next week and more news in the cannabis industry. It's great to talk to you, Dean. You got a joint? Uh, no, not on me, man. <laughs> It'd be a lot cooler if you did. Time now for Cannabis Characters. Dopest dope I've ever smoked. Celebrating the best from fictional 420 film. Hey, I am your soda. <laughs> and beyond. Heavy girl with that, man. Uh, is it heavy stuff, man? <laughs> I know you don't smoke weed. I know this. But I'm going to get you high today because it's Friday. So today on Cannabis Characters, I am taking a look at the character of Smokey from the movie Friday. And it's played by Chris Tucker. Came out in 1995. I just watched this movie for the first time last night. I'd heard things about it. Never really got into it. I think I'd seen like pieces of it, maybe just the trailer. But it also has Ice Cube. The late Bernie Mac, uh, Regina King, among others. And Ice Cube, by the way, co-wrote it. So I I thought it was pretty good. Um, The sequel is next Friday and Friday after next. I haven't seen those. But it's a comedy with some serious stuff as well, I think. Not exactly sure what to make of it. 
It wasn't as funny as like Dazed and Confused or Half-Baked or any of the Cheech and Chong movies. So I'm not exactly putting it up there as a classic, but the character is pretty good. Tucker's pretty funny, and uh, this movie actually helped to launch his career. And it was also nice to see the late Bernie Mac. What we call drug descendant, Full Street Baptist Church. We call a sin is sin, sin. Well, around here, between Normandy and Weston, we call this here a little twin and twin twin. Wow. As for Ice Cube, um, he plays, uh, you know, not the character you see in, in NWA and things like that, but he's got a bit of a a rough side to him, and then he really gets going uh, later in the movie uh, in a knock him down, drag him out fight. But he gets high for maybe the first time in his life. I'm not really sure. And anyway, Smokey, played by Chris Tucker, has to give him a little bit of a lesson. Puff, puff, give. <coughs> puff, puff, give. up the rotation. You can get killed with somebody else. So yeah, there's some pretty funny scenes in this uh, movie. Uh, I'll probably check out the sequels at some point. Uh, Smokey, played by Chris Tucker in Friday, is our cannabis character on today's episode. What's that strain? Let's find out with Chris Ionson, Nova Cannabis store manager and educator. Another edition of What's That Strain? And we are talking today with Chris Ionson. As usual, he is the store manager of Nova Cannabis on White Ave, and he is our educator here on the Cannabis 101 podcast, as we always love learning, and especially in this segment, we learn so much about the history of different strains and, of course, the desired effects. So today we're doing uh, Edison Rio Bravo, a sativa, and Edison Casablanca, an indica. And Chris, thank you very much for making your way up to St. Albert to the Marsh again. Yeah, thanks for having me, Dean. I just want to tell a quick story as, um, you know, I was uh, picking up the uh, the Rio Bravo and the Casablanca. I was remembering back to... Um, when legalization happened and I didn't go into a store for a long time because the lineups were crazy. I just didn't have time, unfortunately. So I waited a couple of weeks for it to die down and I went in and the first strain I I bought, it was in the, uh, the St. Albert uh, fire and flower uh, shop here was Rio Bravo because I am a huge John Wayne fan. I love the movie Rio Bravo. I love that Edison uh, apparently names their strains after uh, classic movies. And I didn't even look at, uh, you know, anything else. I was like, oh, Rio Bravo, I'll take that. I don't care what it does. Uh, There could be nothing in it. I just, that's what I'm going with because I love John Wayne. I love Westerns. I watched them with my dad as a kid. Um, We we still watch them when we get together. So I literally bought that because of the name. So they got me. And, you know, there's got to be something in in marketing. And and in that point, it it worked. Um, I wouldn't suggest basing things on your favorite movies or anything like that, but it worked for me that day. I was hook, line, and sinker because I'm a John Wayne fan. Yeah, that's awesome. So anyway, we're talking about Edison Rio Bravo. It is a sativa. The LP with this particular strain is Organogram. And what do we know about Organogram? Yeah, so Organogram is uh, out of the east coast of Canada. Uh, They've been around since 2013. And under their umbrella, they've got uh, Edison, um, they've got Trailblazer, and they've got Anchor, uh, which is coming soon. We haven't seen it yet in the Alberta market. Nice. Um, and they do have the Edison Reserve line too, oh. uh, worth noting, uh, where they actually take top cola buds and they package it up. So uh, comes at a bit of a premium, but uh, it's nice that they're they're saving those top cola buds uh, for people that are interested to 
pay a little extra for for some a real nice treat. Ah, that's interesting. Can you explain uh, for our listeners that are maybe new to cannabis uh, what Top Cola Buds is? Yeah, for sure. Uh, so Top Cola Buds are you know on the cannabis plant when it grows. Um, that's where you're going to get the highest concentration. Those are the buds at the very top. Uh, they're getting the most light. And um, so they're going to have the higher percentages of THCs, uh, stronger comp- concentrations of terpenes. Top cola buds are, I guess it's like the uh, the primo stuff of your plant. So the, all the, the mid-range and lower buds are going to be uh, a little bit lighter on THC, but all your top cola stuff is going to be your beefiest, strongest, tastiest stuff. That's also something uh, for home growers to know. Uh, when, when, uh, you know, we're all allowed to have, uh, four plants per household. Uh, so it's good to know for uh, people that are growing at home. Yeah, absolutely. Um, recently I was at a friend's house. He was, uh, growing some Gorilla Glue and, uh, he was in the final stages of his flowering. And I took a look at, at one of the top colas and it looked like it had a, a white toque, almost like it looked semi-moldy. I was a little concerned for him. Uh, he had thought it was mold too. It was just uh, crystals. It was the trichome collecting. Uh, so I made the comment to him like, "This needs to be your reserve." Like I would, I would set these buds aside. They For are going to be occasion. yeah, like really. Okay, so um, the history when we talk about uh, Edison Rio Bravo, uh, tell us a little bit about where this exactly comes from. So the the actual strain of Rio Bravo is uh, Wabanaki. Um, and Wabanaki is actually, it's an award-winning sativa. Um, in 2017 at the Canadian Cannabis Awards, it took home the top sativa award, uh, which is pretty prestigious. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's, that is definitely something that goes up on the mantle when you can say in this year, out of all the strains that are out there, we are number one when it comes to your sativa. It's pretty good for branding. Yeah, absolutely. I'm, I'm sure they've got that, uh, award yeah. on display right in their head office, right in the front. No kidding. Uh, okay, so the THC and CBD content for Edison Rio Bravo. The batch we've got today uh, came in at 16.3% THC and uh, 0% on the CBD. So you would consider this a uh, high, mid? We classify it as a high THC sativa. I, I'd say this is probably a, a lower percentage batch of the Rio Bravo. It usually comes in uh, around 16 to 20% uh, THC. All right, so we know... Rio Bravo, very famous uh, John Wayne movie with Dean Martin. And uh, Ricky Nelson, I think, is uh, also in that. Angie Dickinson uh, was uh, in that movie as well. I I love it. It's very similar to another John Wayne movie that uh, he made. It's like, uh, I can't remember the the title of that one, but the plot line is very similar. Like I said, I love John Wayne. Um, The plot lines of his movies were not terribly complex, so they're maybe good for me. Maybe good to have some Rio Bravo when you watch Rio Bravo. So we know about that name and where that obviously comes from, but what's in a name with Wabanaki? Yeah, for sure. Uh, Wabanaki, so upon doing some research, it uh, loosely translates to uh, People of the First Light. And that represents a First Nations confederation of five Algonquin-speaking nations near the eastern seaboard of Canada. Very cool. I love the history behind some of these names. Uh, Last week we were talking, the first week rather, we were talking uh, a CIA name associated with uh, what we were using. So that's very cool. Now, last week we talked about uh, some packaging that couldn't be recycled or, or had to be brought into stores to be recycled. How about this packaging with uh, the Edison brand? It comes in a completely plastic container, so uh, it is recyclable. You can recycle this at home, no problem. 
at all. Uh, I will comment. Uh, Edison is the first LP, uh, first and only LP I've seen so far that uh, they actually include a four gram Integra boost pack uh, to enhance the freshness. That is so important. That is one of the things I noticed is that when you do go and buy your product, it is drier. And l listen, I take, uh, you know, I I used to be the plastic baggy guy and throw it in a, the freezer or whatever. You know, there was all these tricks to try it. Um, now I'm like, uh, you know, I, I got, grab my product, transfer it to a mason jar, and I throw those humidor packs in there to keep it fresh because I want it perfect. So very smart on their part to do that. I think everybody should start doing that because I did notice uh, some of the product I've been getting at different times has been pretty dry. Yeah, absolutely. That's been one of the bigger complaints too. And I think with uh, legalization, you know, there was some cannabis that was packaged up and, you know, got shipped over and was sitting in a warehouse. So, you know, it had some time to dry up. So uh, having those packs in there is a, is a great, uh, great thing to offer. All right, let's talk terpenes with Edison Rio Bravo. Yeah, definitely. The uh, the three main terpenes in Rio Bravo are pinene, caryophylline, and myrcene. Those are, I'd say, three of the more popular ones. They they consistently come up in, in a lot of the strains. Uh, pinene is a, is a, got that piney smell and taste to it. Um, caryophylline is black pepper, and myrcene uh, is going to taste a little bit like cloves, and. Uh, Within those two, they've all kind of have their, you know, effects to them too. It's been uh, mentioned that uh, pining will help with uh, short-term memory retention, uh, which I feel like that's that's an important one for me. I, I'm quite a forgetful person. Um, and then, you know, mercine um, has sedative effects to it. So uh, I find whenever I smoke a cannabis heavy in mercine, it, uh, I get a full relax on. I just melt into my couch. Definitely good to hear. Uh, let's just recap for those that are new joining us here on the Cannabis 101 podcast on What's That Strain. My name is Dean Millard. Chris Ionson is our educator. And uh, tell us a little bit more and refresh the memories or educate the people that don't know what terpenes are. Uh, terpenes are uh, aromatic oils uh, that are in cannabis. They secrete out of the glands. Um, they're what make your bud smell and taste kind of like citrusy, fruity, skunky, um, there's many different kind of flavors uh, to it. Um, so a lot of times, like if you're going to smoke some lemon skunk, uh, there'll be a lot of limonene in it and it'll be noticeably citrusy. Um, and with terpenes too, there's also effects that can be uh, factored in. It's not just smell and taste. Uh, effects like uh, short-term memory retention, um, uh, appetite suppressant, uh, there's anti-inflammatory, there is uh, sedative uh, effects with terpenes. So um, they, they play a big factor in, in cannabis and it's not really t talked about too much yet. I think that in a couple of years, terpene concentration in cannabis will be a big thing. It's the entourage effect as uh, you've mentioned in the past. Yeah, that's right. The entourage effect with your THC percentage, your CBD percentage, and then the terpenes. And all three of those combined in that specific uh, formula will give you that, that desired effect. All right. This is the Edison Rio Bravo. It's a sativa. Uh, I'll taste test this in a second, but the desired effect when you are going to uh, use this particular strain, what should you expect? For sure. It's uh, definitely an uplifting uh, uplifting sativa. There's good energy with it, and uh, I find that it was uh, also a nice uh, creative strain. It really gets the creative juices flowing. Well, we could all use a little bit more uh, creativity for sure. So uh, I'm going to grab the uh, burnt 
hexagon that I uh, just pulled out of the uh, freezer uh, before you got here. It's the, the greatest thing. The, the first hit out of this thing is the one of the smoothest ever. So I'm going to do the taste test. What should people expect with Edison Rio Bravo? I, th- I find it to be a, a pretty smooth and, and light uh, tasting to it. It wasn't uh, overbearing. Um, very earthy and woodsy is kind of uh, how I, I felt it. Uh, reminded me of like uh, that earth, that kind of dirt, uh, dirt taste, which uh, I, I do enjoy in my cannabises. Yeah, you don't enjoy eating dirt, but uh, in the cannabis taste, it's kind of, this might sound weird, but it, it tastes like you're standing in a forest. Does that make any kind of sense? Uh, I like that. Yeah, that works well. You know, I don't know yeah. if you can taste what's standing in a forest, but if you could, <laughs> that's what it tastes like to me. So, and you're right, it was uh, very smooth and, uh, you know, not overpowering. So that's Edison Rio Bravo. I'm uh, really looking forward to that. I'm going to uh, uh, fire up a little John Wayne movie tonight and uh, have some Rio Bravo when I watch Rio Bravo. I think that's a good plan. That's a great idea, Dan. Along with Edison Rio Bravo, we also have Edison Casablanca, uh, obviously another very famous movie, Humphrey Bogart, uh, Ingrid Bergman. Um, the, the famous line from what I remember of that movie is, uh, of all the gin joints in all the towns, you had to walk into mine. It was a very, very famous movie. So I like that Edison uh, goes after uh, famous movies, and I think that's a, a strong marketing plan. So I uh, tip my cap to them. So this is uh, Casablanca. It's an indica. And it, again, from uh, uh, Organogram is uh, the LP, what we talked about. To, to give us a little uh, background history on uh, where Edison uh, Casablanca comes from. The original strain is a Mongolian, um, which is a nice uh, bold indica. It comes with plush, rich forest green flowers and hints of orange. Um, it does translate, so Casablanca translates in Spanish to, uh, to White House. Um, and after kind of researching, I was trying to kind of find out where the name came from. Uh, couldn't find too, too much information online about it, but I, I kind of thought that there might be a reference to like the Mongolians, uh, the Genghis Khan. I know that, uh, some of the earliest, uh, you know, mentions of cannabis, uh, were in, uh, Eastern Asia, Asian countries. So, uh, like, uh, Japan, China, and Mongolia. So maybe there's a little bit of a shout out to the Genghis Khan in there. Okay, so when it comes to THC and CBD for this particular strain, uh, what are we laying down? Yeah, so the batch of Casablanca we got with us today has a THC percentage of 14.6 and a CBD percentage of zero. So this is a a mid to high range uh, indica. One of the strains we've done was a nice starter strain. This would be maybe a more um, step up from that, you know, once you get comfortable or if you are an experienced cannabis user, um, you know, uh, the, the, the catchphrase, and I think it's a really good one, is uh, uh, is it start low and go slow? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I think that's a, a good uh, um, message for everybody. But this would maybe be a step up uh, once you're used to some of the effects of cannabis and you've had some experience or if you're an experienced user, would you say? Yeah, I totally agree with that. As far as packaging, as we mentioned, um, this is one that you can recycle at home. And you know what I do? I recycle these myself by using them. I put um, Q-tips for uh, you know cleaning some of my products. I keep them in there. Uh, I keep some of the other things that I have, um, you know, just actual pens and clips and everything. So I recycle these myself. And if I ever get too many, I could just actually take them to a, a recycling plant and, and do that on my own. So that's, a, a, we, as we mentioned, one of the... Uh, bright spots with the Edison brand. Um, terpenes. When we talk about terpenes, 
Uh, we explained what terpenes were. Um, tell us a little bit about what terpenes we can expect with Casablanca. Uh, pinene, myrcene, limonene, and caryophyllene are the, the four main ones. So you're going to get uh, the piney taste with the pinene, um, kind of a clove flavoring with the myrcene, and uh, hints of citrus with the limonene. And then the caryophyllene is uh, black pepper, quite a mix. That's something I'm really looking forward to is uh, black pepper. And, and like I said, I'm learning more about terpenes and I probably have had, uh, you know, that terpene before in something. But now that I'm looking forward to it, I think I'll be able to uh, experience a little bit more knowing a little bit about it. Now, um, desired effect. This is an indica, so this is maybe... Uh, not something you want to take uh, to use or consume if you're uh, going out for a big night. The main, the main kind of effect uh, with this Casablanca is couch lock. Uh, it's going to, uh, it's a deep and heavy indica. It's going to get you super relaxed. Uh, also, uh, feelings of euphoria kind of in the head there too. So, uh, nice deep, heavy body stone, uh, but still nice treats for the head. So this would be a wonderful strain to uh, fire up in uh, your favorite bong or roll a joint or whatever, uh, put it in your vaporizer and watch the movie Casablanca. And I think this is the beginning of a beautiful friendship. <laughs> which I just stole from Casablanca. But I think uh, Couch Lock, <laughs> watching Casablanca, this is the thing for you. Or Friends or whatever your choice. Yeah. Game of Thrones, maybe. I don't know. Whatever people want to watch. But definitely something to uh, fire up on uh, one of the streaming networks out there. Yeah, for sure it is. Okay, so when we look at the taste test, uh, tell me a little bit about what people can expect when they fire up Edison Casablanca. Definitely some earthy flavors to it. It's... Uh... Uh, with a light touch of citrus and little hints of spice in there too. Um, what are your thoughts, Dean? Yeah, it's a, it's got a little bit of a musk to it too. Yeah, 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 for sure. There's a musk there. Uh, yeah, musky and and peppery too is kind of yeah. The, I enjoy the uh, the little hint of spice um, almost on the aftertaste on the like uh, on the way out. Yeah, on the way out, the exhale. So. <laughs> I did enjoy that, uh, the little hint of spice, a little musk to it, and uh, I'll, I'll be uh, enjoying, uh, now what do I do? Do I watch Rio Bravo or Casablanca now? I've got my choices. Yeah, it's a tough call. Um, I'd say go with Rio Bravo. I, I know you're a John Wayne fan, so start with Rio Bravo and see, see where it takes you. Maybe it'll be a double dip tonight, Yeah, a couple of movies. Chris, thanks as always for joining us on What's That Strain? I look forward to next week. Yeah, thanks so much for having me, Dean. Time now for Tools of the Trade. Is this a dream? The latest and greatest in cannabis accessories. In today's Tools of the Trade, we're talking about the different types of joints that are out there. And I'm going to throw one out at the end of this segment that you may not have heard of, but I've used it a couple of times and is it's fun at parties. It's wasteful, but it's fun at parties. So there's the blunt, which is, uh, obviously, you know, obviously there's a joint, right? That's the uh, wrapped with paper. Everybody knows that. Blunt, if you don't know, is made with, uh, rolled with tobacco paper. Uh, I oh, There's other different papers you can get as well if you're not a big tobacco fan, but I love blunts. They're hard to roll. You got to, you know, you can buy the papers, but how we do them is... Uh, we're not that prepared. When we'd go on golf trips and stuff, we would just uh, split open. Somebody that was more skilled than me would split open a cigar, uh, take all the tobacco out of it and roll it. And that It's good. I like it. It's uh, it's stiff. It's 
thicker. Um, and it's, uh, I, I, and I like, I like uh, cigars as well. There's a spliff with tobacco in it. I don't get this. I don't get the spliff. I used to smoke cigarettes and maybe back then I would have, but I know people that do this now. And I think this is gross. Like, listen, I smoke cigars once in a while. I would not want to smoke tobacco with my marijuana. So I would not go in the way of the uh, spliff. Um, there's of course the cross joint, which was made famous by Pineapple Express, Seth Rogen and James Franco. And it looks really complicated to roll. I think anyway, not as complicated as the diamond. If you can imagine a joint that looks like a diamond, that's what it is. Or the Dutch tulip. You know what a tulip, uh, the head of a tulip looks like? A joint rolled like that. Those look really difficult because you're bending the joint and stuff like that. So feel free, if you're an experienced roller, to Google some of that and look it up. If you're just new to the cannabis game, just, just stick with a joint. Paper, weed, a little bit of a filter. Uh, there's also a canagar, which I would love. It's a cannabis cigar. So it's a giant, uh, you would get, uh, I guess, cigar wrapping, and it's as thick as a cigar. And so it's going to probably take you a while. And here's the one that uh, a good friend of mine, actually an old camera uh, guy at Global Television that passed this on to me, and we've used it a couple of times, the Gatling gun. You know what a Gatling gun is, right, from the Old West? Well, this is what you do for a Gatling gun joint, is you take like five, I'd say decent size, don't use pinners, but use you know five normal size joints or six normal size joints. So you get those, you put them all together, you wrap papers around them to form a giant joint that looks like a Gatling gun. Uh, we've used it at stags, at parties. Uh, it's you know it's lasted a couple of days. I don't think you know like you're, you're like I said it's a bit of a wasteful thing, but it's kind of a cool party trick. And um, if you're into it, it's easy to do. You just wrap, roll four, five, six joints, wrap, put some papers together, wrap it. It's way easier than the cross joint, the diamond, or the Dutch tulip. The Gatling gun is the uh, probably the f the coolest joint I've ever smoked. I haven't tried the diamond or the the cross joint. I'd love to, I'm just not skilled enough. But I really enjoyed the Gatling gun. Again, don't do it if you uh, don't have a lot of weed because it is a little bit wasteful in that regard. But it is still a, a fun party trick and uh, something that I would uh, try again at some point. The Gatling gun, and uh, we're talking joints in tools of the trade. Bud, dope, flower, ganja, Mary Jane. We all have our own language when it comes to cannabis. Herb, John Lennon, plant, Thai stick, salad. So let's explore another weed word of the day. Samuel Ojeks, the Hobbit's Leaf, Lady Gaga, 420. All right, in this final segment, we will do weed word of the day, and we're talking about uh, different words in the cannabis slang language. And reefer is a, a word that obviously people use a lot of. And this is what I found on reefer. It is a, a Spanish word, grifo. It comes from the word grifo. It's Mexican slang that you would use for somebody who is, I guess, high on marijuana. Because grifo, a Mexican word, can refer to tangled, frizzy hair and therefore a, a similar mental state. That became grifo, which then became the abbreviated reefer. So that's where reefer comes from. 
Um, you remember the movie Reefer Madness? Ridiculous. If you want to be entertained, watch how ridiculous that movie is. Um, Days to Confuse, the, uh, the guy walks by and like, oh, somebody's token some reefer. And then they get into the fight. So reefer, I found interesting the, uh, the history of that word. Alfalfa is also used, uh, for things like weed and also, uh, money and tobacco. Uh, another word for weed is asparagus. You can also go broccoli, parsley, turnip greens, obviously anything green, bud because of the cannabis plant that is smoked. Um, and top cola buds are the best if you're out there. Christmas tree, lumber, fir. Uh, lumber actually is referred to unwanted twigs in the bud, so stems, right? You don't want any stems, but uh, Christmas tree, fir, obviously green. And I was asking actually a question on Twitter. You know, what attracts you? Everybody is, everybody is attracted to the color green that is in cannabis, whether it's green for the plant or green for the money. Which are you? Are you in cannabis for the plant or the money? Nothing wrong with either. Um, and herb. And this is interesting. Among Rastafarians who use the substance religiously, this term has been used to emphasize that it is natural, just like other herbs. With a similar flair, the substance has been called mother and mother nature, as well as the noble weed and righteous, righteous bush. Pretty solid stuff. That's going to wrap things up for us today on the Cannabis 101 Podcast, Episode 3. Thank you so much for joining us on the show today. We heard from David McGovern from Investing News Network about the Lift & Co. Cannabis Expo that took place in Toronto. David Wiley dropped by from OkanaganZ.com for this week in Cannabis News, and he'll join us every week. And, of course, so will Chris Ionson, our educator on what's that strain. Have yourselves a great rest of the week, everybody. And remember, it's not just about getting high, it's about getting healthy.